welcome back to another special episode of Epic Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce. It's episode 137, and I'm joined on the line once again by my co-host, Sneaky Pete. How are you tonight, Pete? What's up, everybody? It's great to be back here and talking about all things Magic the Gathering. Uh, we took a week or two off here to get some affairs in order, but we're back. If you like what you're hearing, our content is at the Lotus Council website, lotuscouncil.com, and circulating on various Discord servers. Bruce, go for it. For sure. <laughs> um, if you like, uh, if you want to find out where you can reach out to us, uh, that's all in the show notes down the bottom. So please go ahead and check us out there. And uh, right, got on straight away with some garbage or great. So first up, we've got one I think is going to be pretty easy to to parse, but I think is well worth having a conversation. Conversation. We've got our dear friend Sidisi Undead Vizier, three black black for a four six legendary creature Zombie Naga. She's got Death Touch. She's got Exploit, which means when this creature enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice a creature. When Sidisi Undead Vizier exploits a creature, you may search your library for a card, put it in your hand, then shuffle your library. So for five mana and the sacrifice and the mere price of sacrificing your creature, you have a tutor. So let's be honest, folks. There's no way anybody's gonna call this card garbage. Ever. It's mm -hmm. like you go tutoring, it's too good to be garbage. All right. Um, would you, do you have any argument there, Pete? Like, let's just straight up, like, five mana, go tutor, seems fine, right? It's, it's efficient for what it, what it does, right? Like, a lot of tutors either have some sort of uh, restriction, or, like, but in terms of paying life, or, you know, they are beyond, like, the OG two mana tutor spells. They're gonna do something, um, that you'll need to balance out, right? Like, you want tutor, but you want draw, right? You want reaction, you want pro, like pro action too. So, um, I like this card a lot, Bruce. I, I like yeah. dragons yeah. like here, though. I'm kind of a sucker for the, that whole block. Um, but this, like, like we've said in the, in the notes here, it's a 4 6 with death touch. Um, so even if you don't exploit a creature to tutor, you still have a 4 6 with death touch that can block well. Yeah. So, it just, just on raw stats alone, she's good. Um, the fact that she's a creature, which makes yeah. her different from a lot of the other uh, tutor effects, where most of them are spells, the fact that this is a creature makes it far more easily abusable than um, instances of sorceries. So you go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I was thinking about all of the death trigger like multipliers, right? Not like, you. like the new dominant yeah. doubles the trigger, so for five mana you get two cards. Yeah. Um, with Kaya. Or Kaya, same thing. Right. So, like, that was what I was thinking about when you said it's easily usable. There's not many cards you need to make this thing just go bananas. No, it's, it, it's, it happens really easily. Um, so whether you want to recur it from your graveyard or you have fodder to, to, fodder to sack and you just need to blinker or to play all the scam, like the black ways that kill her, bring it back, sack a thing, bring her back. Like, you're just going to go... You, you can loop this thing... In all sorts of silly ways to make this card way, way, way too potent to be ever be deemed trash. Uh, the only way that might ever happen is if they print print us a better version, like a, another creature that does something comparable. Um, but there we are. It only appears in 448 decks as a commander, which strikes makes me as being wrong. However, if she makes up for it, 
in 38,000 decks yeah. as a card. So very clearly, people are putting in there to go and find their nasty pieces of death, um, whether it's the combo piece they want to win the game with or that, in, that integral piece of removal that they need to, 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 to deal with their opponent's board state. Um, so DC is just going to be a good card for you to go and, uh, and put in your deck. So if you haven't already got her copy of her, um, consider this as being a sort of a, a mid-tier staple that you should be really looking to pick up. She's, you know, seven and a half bucks right now. So she's not cheap, cheap, but she's probably not going to break the bank and you're going to get lots of play out of her. So um, I know you could spend a lot more money on other options, but I'm just saying, moving forward, if you're looking for a tutor effect, this may be something that you're, you're, game, you're beginning to play. I'm glad that you brought this card up tonight, Bruce. I think a lot of people just don't know that it exists yet. You know what I mean? A lot of newer players might not have like gone into the depths of uh research regarding like what what is a uh like budget tutor out there because yeah of everything going on with um like reprints and then also there's just so many cards out there right like the yeah. next card we're gonna highlight is from urza saga of all places right oh my god it's so old it's literally older than me i think um um 1999 yeah. so oh, i mean i was a year older than it sorry yeah yeah uh, but sorry, Urza's Destiny is the is the uh, where the card is from. Currently, uh, it's a it's a pricey two dollars or less. I think it's like a dollar thirty. Um, and I'm gonna read this card because it has a pretty interesting effect, and it's a legendary creature, so you can potentially use it as a commander if you wanted to. Um, this card is called Rain Academy Chancellor. It's two colors and a blue. It's a human wizard, so there's uh, synergy there with humans and wizards if you needed to. Fill your uh, your tribal deck up, but its ability is interesting. Whenever you or a permanent you control becomes a target of a spell or an ability, and opponent controls, you may draw a card. You may draw an additional card if Rain Academy Chancellor is enchanted. So this is really, really, in my opinion, underrated because it's any permanent you control, whether that be an enchantment you have, a value enchantment, an artifact, um, another creature. It doesn't even have to be Rain herself. Um, you can, you can really, I guess, take this and, and break it a bit with, um, certain effects. Bruce, what do you think about this card? So my, my, my initial reaction to this card is I'm rather skeptical of it because of the fact that, um, in and of itself, this ability put passively in your deck, how frequently would you find your permanence to be targeted, um, by a spell or an ability? And I think... Um, there's been a number of other cards that have similar sorts of effects, like Runic Armasaur is kind of like in the same vein. Uh, Shaper Sanctuary is another one where you're, if your things, if if abilities get used or tar things get targeted, you draw cards, and the cards are all they're playable, but they're not. They don't seem to draw a pile of cards. Now, I mean, she's only three mana, and you and you might be just quite happy getting two cards off of her if, if that's what you can get. But I just question how much this is going to get triggered in a regular game if this is in your deck. I mean, I think that's purely subjective, which is not, like, incorrect. I'd, I'd say, like, like I told you before we started as well, it's conditional, so we want to abuse the conditions that are there, right? So I want to play all of the scary permanents that I can play, 
or make rain like this huge voltron stompy card and make it so i will draw at least one or two cards off of her before she's mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so I think I think when we were having we were having a discussion before the show, you really sold me on abusing <laughs> the condition, and I'm like, oh, okay, because in the past I have run such cards with with the thought that that the condition gets met more than I think it does, and so it's probably going to be a good a good inclusion. Again, right. a runic armosaur comes to mind as a card that I have run with the intention of having it draw me cards, and then runic armosaur doesn't draw me much of anything. Right. So, you could um, even, more, so sorry, you've been blocking cards like Mangara, the diplomat, right? Yeah. Like, if the cards that have conditions met, that's when you get to draw. Even um the one drop that a lot of people run in their white decks as a staple, the um the the uh the human soldier, the Esper Sentinel. Esper Sentinel, right? Like it's conditional, but like you see it in CDH because the conditions are always met in those games. Where like yeah. more uh like i guess casual pods that card is is fantastic don't get me wrong but sometimes like I, there are times where i played the card and i have gotten no cards off of it because yeah. either people don't want to make me draw cards or like they're smart enough to like play around it right i'd yeah. rather challenge a, an opponent to play around this card than expect it to work every single time right because again magic is so volatile and unpredictable <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, once once you started talking up talking me out around down the angle of there's a condition on this card, let's meet that let's force our opponents to meet that condition. That to me, I'm like, oh, okay. Let's compel my opponents to do something so that I can turn this into a huge draw engine. And I, I have have a draw engine like this in your deck as a commander that you can then put de deploy it and then Use it to free refill your hand, your grip, and to use the card advantage gain to to help you either use rain to Voltron stuff. Like I can, like the more I think about, it, the more I'm like I'm kind of in on this card. So as much as I was like I, I still part of my brain is like, mm, do I want to be in on rain? I kind of want to be in on rain because I think if you can get your opponents to 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 bite at the condition and to and to you know target your stuff repeatedly. For X Y Z reason, whatever it is, then you're you're going to use reigns reign to a full ability, and people are going to go, "What's just drawing you eight cards this turn?" Oh, my commander who sits here and is not scary at all, but draws me eight cards, and so I think I'm pretty in on rain. I think I kind of um, reined you in a bit, right? Didn't I? Oh, no! <laughs> damn! <laughs> um, can I just also comment on the art too? I actually really like the art style they 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 did with Rain. It's uh, rather understated, rather muted, but yet still um, very very tastefully done. Like I really like I really like that old style art. Um, mm -hmm. That is, it's kind of unique to Magic cards. I don't think you see art like that on on anything else. So if you're looking for an interesting piece, your opponents are going to be looking at it and talking about it and asking, "Can I read it again? What does this mean? How does this work? Why did you draw eight cards again?" I think. I think Rain uh, Academy Chancellor is a really nice inclusion, and at a price tag that is very reasonable to to, to digest. Now, can I also make one comment about the the, the set, the Erlenmeyer Flask? That's that for Urza's Destiny. Do you know why yeah. I always call this in my head when I see this? Urza's bottle. It's Urza's bottle set, <laughs> and so I'm like I'm like, oh yeah, it's Urza's bottle. I'm like, oh, the Bruce is Urza's destiny. Come on, like. In terms enough. of the lore, in terms of the lore, I'm not surprised because of how 
uh, like how that whole uh, story plays out, right? And we'll talk about that something in a future episode, right? Like just some lore yeah. stuff you enjoy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Like, there's, like, there's a bottle and there's gears and there's something else. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like smashing pumpkins, but it's just Urza being sad all the time. That probably would be yeah. too. <laughs> anyway, all right. What are we talking Excellent. about? I like all right. <laughs> so today, folks, we're going to move on here and we're going to talk about some removal. And, uh, I think it's really important because one of the things that like pops up all the time on Twitter, which is magic Twitter being the cesspool that it is, but yet everybody's on it, um, is that people always comment, oh, noobs don't want enough removal to deal with stuff. I'm like, okay, hold on there. That's not true. Um, I think lots of people run plenty of removal. Um, so today I thought we would just sort of go through and discuss sort of different types of removal, what sort of removal uh, is offered by each of the different colors. We're going to avoid having specific cards, like, you should play this underplayed piece of removal. No, no, like, yes. that's... You guys don't need that. Like, you guys have all the search tools we have on Scryfall, too. Um, everyone's got their own pet cards, so we're not going to get into that. But we are going to try and highlight uh, maybe maybe interesting cards that are, like, budget-friendly um, in the course of our discussion. There might We might talk about um, some of the unique um, sort of features of some of the colors when it comes to removal. Um, and we're going to try and maybe re redefine what you think about as removal because so many times we just think about it being the thing that takes something off the battlefield. But it could be different. It could be something that prevents something from ever coming down in the first place. For sure. Um, because well, here's an example, you know, uh, Bruce Magnetic Mine. <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. Kind of like, uh, anti, like, it's an, an antithetical sort of like removal piece in terms of you know it makes you take damage for doing things with artifacts so it kind of prevents people from wanting to play artifacts that are like sackable sackable so makes so magnetic mind folks if you're really not familiar with it so it's a it's an artifact that says whenever another artifact is put into a graveyard from the battlefield magnetic mind deals two damage to that artifact's controller so it's a really effective way to curtail uh, treasure tokens as a for instance a colorless piece of removal so you, your opponents who play treasure tokens have to really evaluate do they want to make a whole lot of treasure tokens and run the risk of having them be just go to the graveyard eventually and take a whole pile of damage but that's we'll get to that conversation in due course so pete uh fill us in what are the what, what are we talking about with the colors when it comes to removal yeah so uh, just quite simply, each color and and colorless, we're inc including not as a color but as an option, has removal within it. And what we mean by removal, like Bruce uh, touched on earlier, it's not necessarily the traditional sense of uh, one for one. Like I'm gonna play a card that destroys or removes something off of the table. It's more so a li a limitation that's placed on a player or a player's resources in some particular way. So, for example. Um, rule of law is like a stacks piece because it prevents players from playing um, more than one spell each turn. But in terms of players, it is a removal piece, for example, for a particular type of player, which is a person playing the storm archetype, which is playing as many spells as you can at once to create some crazy interaction and win the game that way. Huh. So by going through this sort of logical progression, we have uh, options for each color. Uh, beyond just the sort of typical effects. So, Bruce, we'll kick this off with blue. 
Um, yeah. You know, Blue is famous for one particular sort of removal. I'm going to put yes. removal in air quotes, but removal nonetheless. Yes. And I'd like you to just tell the audience what we think about this color. <laughs> so blue. So um, well, personally, I really, I really enjoy playing blue. Um, so that. blue's really, blue's really well known for uh, its counter spells. That's probably what it's best known for, for, for the ability to interact on the stack with your opponent's spells before they ever reach the battlefield or ever before they ever become things that have an effect on the game state. Um, and so, you know, very famously, Force of Will, Force of Negation, Pact of Negation, just straight up Counterspell. Um, there's a whole there's a whole slew of them. They get more every set. Uh, not all of them are created equal. Some are, are, are terrific. Others are um, dubious clunkers that you probably won't encounter too frequently. Less well-known is Blue has um, their, their exile effects, but their exile effects that leave... A body behind. Um, so Pong of Fire, Rapid Hybridization, Reality Shift, Resculpt is the latest one that sort of has come to mind. Um, so you can remove the really scary thing. So let's imagine Elish Norn uh, Grand Cenobite, um, she's terrifying. Um, and then you can Reality Shift her. So you exiled her from play, which is really good. Uh, but your opponent has to get gets to. Um, manifest the top card of their library so they essentially replace the body with something else and in some cases depending on what you're using to what they could be getting back um they could get something very potent back like if a manifest card could be anything they could flip up another scare, scary scary uh, phyrexian or, or or an eldrazi but you're banking on the fact that they're probably going to get something else um, otherwise, blue is also known for things like uh, bounce effects, uh, sometimes combat tricks, where you give a whole team like minus two, minus O, or minus three, minus O, really blunt the attack so that they can't swing in with that alpha strike um, and allows you to make profitable attacks and blocks on your side. Or sometimes like a mass tap down effect, like a sleep effect that, you know, basically renders your opponent's board state ineffective. And leaves them, you know, shields down and ready to get ready to get smashed. All of these are sort of hallmarks of what blue likes to do when it comes time to remove or deal with your opponents um, through uh, through interaction and removal. People hear... next. Oh, go for it. Sorry. Do you want to hear one of my favorite ones, real quick, for blue? Oh, love it. From, go for it. From Baldur's Gate, it's called Cone of Cold. It's um, it's a four mana sorcery where you roll a d twenty. Um, no matter what number you get, they're all you tap all creatures your opponents control. Um, if you get a ten through nineteen, you, you tap all of them down, then they don't untap. And then number twenty is tap all creatures, they don't untap, and then until your next turn, creatures your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped. Ooh, so like it's only amazing. a ten cent card, and I think it's it's underrated for blue in terms of um stalling out like a board state like we said earlier. Well, I would, um, I would also, if I, if I could toss my own in, Icy Blast is another one. Yeah, from that's, here. that's a similar one. Um, if you and if you can meet the ferocious mechanic, so it's X and blue, um, and you can X being the number of creatures you tap. And if you meet the ferocious requirement, then you can they also they don't untap for the next untap phase. Same sort of idea. You can blow your opponent out at end of turn, uh, just before you untap, tap all their blockers. And uh, set yourself up for a really profitable attack with uh, with blue very very easily. Right. Um. All right. 
Pete, yeah. what do we got next? So we're going to talk about white, which is the color that really has everything and can remove anything. They have uh, mass target removal in this color, right? Uh, like Wrath of God is a famous creature board wipe. It has um, the six mana ones and five mana ones that remove multiple targets. Um, what's the card? Uh, Acroma's Vengeance is another is is one of the yeah, examples. Yeah, it has individual, has individual exile and destroy permanent effects, and it has uh, other sorts of effects like that. I think are premium for. Uh, like a support color in magic what i mean by this is like white can support any strategy because it has the package already kind of tacked into it like all the other colors kind of want to be like this color in terms of removal um and all the removal cards that white has received um impact the board in some way like i've used those board wipes before to get myself out of really sticky situations where i'm kind of out of time when it comes to dealing with the board itself um and then just white like white is subtle with its way of like kind of taxing other players like a lot of people don't like playing some of the effects and i try to stay away from it in like more of the casual pods of the like law bringing sort of ideas where oh. you dictate like what happens so you know like thalia which just got reprinted in a like like what a, a few sets ago where creatures yeah. come in tapped or non-basic lands come in tapped or whatever. Those effects are subtle in the terms of like if it is advantageous to you, um you're you're basically you're basically set, I guess. Without saying too much more, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, I think. Yeah. Looking at color in a vacuum that it is the like it is the one that has all the options. I I So like, yeah, so white white deals white is very good at removing permanence on the battlefield. Uh, I think pretty much it's, so it, whether it's mass land land destruction, creature destruction, it'll destroy artifacts, it'll destroy, it'll destroy enchantments. Uh, even got has a few effects that will destroy a planeswalker straight up. So you've got some really potent tools in white for permanence. It struggles on the stack, which is where the stacks pieces come in so crucially right. Um, right. because white only has a few very slight effects. To allow you to interact on the stack, uh, like mana tithe, for instance, if you can get mana tithe to work for you, you're you are like laughing that one all the way to the bank. But usually, white ends up having to do something where they end up having to make it such that your opponents make it so difficult to cast the thing it never comes down in the first place. So yeah. that's typically how white ends up having to do its removal on the or to deal with things on the stack is just to make them prohibitively expensive. Yeah, so just move on to the next uh, sort of color that fits this idea is green. Um, in terms of removal, green really just wants to be like white, right? Uh, Beast Within is a huge example of that. The thing with green is it doesn't really have any creature removal beyond uh, conditional removal in terms of like Master's Rebuke is, a, is an example or like the fight mechanic with prize fight. Um and green will always have bigger creatures, so the way it removes threats is through swing face and uh, fighting other creatures to keep the creatures that the green player controls alive. Green mm -hmm. is very, very good with enchantment artifact hate. It has some of the strongest spells for that. But in terms yeah. of like, overall uh, board state, it is the opposite of blue um, in terms of it dictates the board state, but it doesn't necessarily impact the uh 
I guess, removal sort of logic we're going by in terms of it, it doesn't have enough uh, versatility when it comes to these things, I guess you could say. So Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Like Green ends up having to play sort of a, re- a reactive role to the removal with protect- protection spells. Right. Uh, so it, it, that's how it, it can interact with blue and white. Um, so heroic intervention or thing, things that, uh, things that grant their cards temporary hexproof or temporarily uh, indestructible. Um, Veil of Summer Ooh. is another great, another great tool too. Um, but all of these, tra- all of these are reactionary to, um, and are not re- pieces of removal to, to, to take your opponent's threats off the board. So, um, yeah, like you said, green ends up having to either attack and fight them down, or you, if it's an enchantment or artifact, there are ways to take those out, whether it's Nature's Claim, Reclamation Sage, Manglehorn. I love me Manglehorn. I think Manglehorn is criminally <laughs> criminally underplayed. Um, and yeah. and the, the trick with Manglehorn, their audience, is the second line of text on it that says all your opponent's artifacts end of the, end of the game now tapped for me in, while Manglehorn's on the battlefield. That is surprisingly difficult because if your opponent goes and casts a Mana Rock, they typically have access to that Mana Rock right away, and now they don't. And that's a problem. So, it, yeah, it hoses like uh, treasure tokens and all the other sort of artifact token producing uh, idea. Um, and it also sort of this this uh, restriction fits into our next color, which Bruce take it away. Um, this is one of yeah, my yeah. favorites. So this is black. Um, so and black is really really excels at, at killing all the things that are creatures. Uh, Planeswalkers too, uh, and and occasionally lands. Um, there's been plenty of examples of, of black spells destroying lands. Um, it is very weak at removing artifacts and enchantment. Um, in fact, when we do find black permanents, or sorry, black spells that allow us to remove artifacts and enchantments, uh, they get a lot of play. So Feed the Swarm is a card from Zendikar Rising that doesn't look like a particularly exciting spell. One in a black, sorcery speed, um, destroy target non-land permanent, you have to pay life equal to that card's mana value. Um, but that allows you to target uh, a, a artifact or an enchantment that black doesn't normally get. Um, it's also really good for taking care of those, what I call sticky creatures. Um, things that are like indestructible or things that are or have hexproof or whatever. There are ways that you can uh, force them, like, if it is hexproof, you can use an edict effect to make right. force your opponent to sacrifice it. Uh, if it's a god or something with indestructible, you can use effects like defile that give them minus X minus X to shrink the creature down to the point where it, where it dies. Um, so you have lots of different tools at your disposal, uh, a plethora of great ones. Recently, there's been a whole slew of really efficient um, two mana removal spells, whether it's Heartless Act or Infernal Grasp or Go for the Throat or... Uh, all these great two-mana removal spells that are all slightly conditional, but will hit most targets, and they're running around, and they're readily available, and they're not too expensive. So a black deck can have a pretty good complement of stuff of to remove permanence from the battlefield. Now, on the stack, black struggles um, to interact on the stack just the same way green does. Um, it's sort of at the mercy of the control players. That's the player with with the with the counters, with the permission package, because black can't really control that. That's not what black can do. Uh, there um, is the odd effect, but there, it's very few and far between. Yeah, I 
I guess it reacts differently, you know? So, like, yeah. where white just kind of struggles inertly, um, black, I think, has some very sneaky things it can do to get around conditions. Yeah. So, like, like, my favorite spell uh, in black, it's more expensive, and I don't actually own a copy, but I think it's really cool, is Imp's Mischief, which changes the target mm. of a spell yeah. to another target, which black is not supposed to do at all. Um, well... So, no. so again, black's black's way to responding to the, the stack is usually through things like um, scam spells. So like the ones that when your creature dies, yep. and they like, return to the battlefield right away, um, or you know that sort of effect, so that you can work around things that come down instant speed. Um, but you really have no way to match blue in a counter spell war. You know, yeah. so I mean, you're kind of at their mercy in that respect. And then we talked about this too, but like the resiliency of black is that like it doesn't really matter if your stuff is being removed on the stack because for the most part you'll have ways to get those sticky permanents that you control uh save from like save for some of the uh like enchantments artifacts and stuff uh that you'll mm -hmm. be able to get a lot of your creatures i'd say back easy yes easily um so i guess there are just ways you can be, get creative with with this color and the previous ones we mentioned to highlight the strengths and mitigate the weaknesses. Um, Absolutely, and that kind of pushes us to our like final color in the pie, which is my I'd say my favorite color now. But in terms, <laughs> of removal, in terms of removal, it's difficult to gauge because red does things differently than the other colors aforementioned. Um, on the surface, it seems like the weakest of all of them because it really doesn't have these single target removal stuff beyond like chaos related things. Um, and it has some sort of downside beyond land destruction, which most pods refuse to allow at a table. Um, direct damage is really the way you'll get it done, or player removal itself is the way that you will finish off someone with red. Yes. Um, and, like, my favorite mechanic that I believe to be removal, which is a hot take, is is the goad mechanic because of the fact that you're preventing the other players from attacking you, thus you can push damage through easily and potentially remove a player at an EDH table. Um, and then they have Red has some copy spell and ability effects, which is like a faux removal in, in terms of the pod you're playing in. And you can use it creatively to do... Uh, specific things but red is masking its identity right now in terms of that um every removal spell that red has has some sort of downside in a sense but if you can maximize the weakness of the card with what you're trying to do for example you'll surprisingly like find that red actually has its merits when it comes to this so like one of my favorite spells that i've been running in some of my red decks not all of them, but most of the ones that needed something like this is Descent of the Dragons, which is mm -hmm. a wipe uh, six mana spell that says destroy any number of creatures. It's a its controller puts a four four red dragon onto the battlefield with flying for mm -hmm. each creature. Again, you don't want to do target like a token player. That's not you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no. Well, like I've done it though, where I've done it in a game where I had thirty tokens and I made you know. 34 four dragons and no nobody else could do anything about it beyond giving them one or two dragons for their uh, like marquee piece of uh, like creature um 
and then I like the 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 sort of weird ones like Wiles Reversal, which changes the target of a spell twice potentially if you roll uh, fifteen to twenty or something. Um, <laughs> you know that. And then I, there are times where it backfires with me a lot. Like Chaos Warp has definitely hurt me sometimes. Yeah, yeah. We, we've all we've all been there when someone casts a Chaos Warp and they go over the table with a big sigh of relief. Oh, good, we're getting rid of that scary thing. <laughs> And then they either and then they shuffle up and then they flip and it's either the card where it comes back or something scarier like an Eldrazi comes land at the table and you're like wow that's so, not any better for us. The other, the other final piece I'd like to add before we move on to the last uh, sex se- segment and like the last sort of uh, color, um, red does the r- a really good job of like doubling and amplifying damage, so like tripling damage. So. Mm-hmm. Some of these removal spells that don't seem as strong in a vacuum can be strong with the right cards. Again, it's conditional. Red is very conditional in the way it interacts. But the chaos can mess with people enough sometimes where you can come out the victor. So I don't think we should sleep on the color. I think they will definitely get more creative with how they implement red's sort of aggressive uh, you know, strategy here. But for now, we'll just have to deal with what we have. and. Move on from there. So finally, colorless Bruce. Um, yeah. take it away. This is the so, the unique one I'd say in terms of how to deal with the uh, weaknesses of it and the strengths. Yeah. So this is this is a, colorless is, is an interesting sort of way of of uh, trying to deal with problem with problematic permanence. Um, there's a couple of ways where mostly what my experience has been that colorless cards um, fall into two categories. Typically, it stacks pieces. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of stack pieces, tangle wire, smokestack, like things that are just like brutally oppressive to try and play against, uh, torpor orb, uh, winter orb, uh, meek stone, weak stone, all these things are like, these things are the things that give people nightmares because they are so, so oppressive and it's a f- really fantastic way to shut down the game, but, um, or you're playing the, the root of the removal spells, like the master removals, Navineral's Disc, Oblivion Stone, uh, the Hell Vault, I think is another one that you can use. Um, these sorts of removal spells that are, um, I would say like Oblivion Stone and, and Navineral's Disc are probably the two most popular. Um, and both of those basically create a mini game situation around them, whereas you play, the moment you play in the, a Nev's Disc, the board knows that you can activate it at almost any time, and so they're going to continue to push you to and attack you mercilessly until you are compelled to use it, and then you don't get to use it at at your discretion when you want to. So it's a bit of a of a catch twenty two there. Um, but those are typically how the two ways that colors interacts. Unless you, there's more and more of these sort of effects that are sort of creeping in, what colorless has. Ways to uh, to interact with other things on the on the battlefield. So universal solvent, which doesn't seem like much of a of anything card from I believe it's from Kaladesh. Uh, it's like a one man uh, artifact that sits on the battlefield, and then you can spend seven mana, sacrifice it, and exile something. Um, there is also one from Battle for Zendikar block. It's a seven mana like exile a permanent thing. So. We're talking about the ability to reach out and exile anything from the battlefield, but uh, it's very difficult to do so. It's expensive, 
Um, and so you, you have to weigh that. Like, what am I doing? What else could I be doing with the mana? What am I trying to deploy versus what am I trying to respond to? Like, if you're asking yourself, do I need the seven mana like sorcery speed exile effect? You need to have a really good understanding of why you're putting that in that deck. Now, are you able to make gigantic piles of mana? Maybe, maybe, and maybe it's not an issue for you. But Colas does, like, it poses the question, you probably have a way to deal with the permanent type, but you've got to be careful about, you know, what pieces of removal you put in your deck, how much of it, and what is that going to mean? Signal to your opponents, and how are you going to pay for it all? Because they tend to be very expensive. So, any yeah. other thoughts on, on that there, Pete? Yeah, so, you know, just when we take this into consideration, um, the colors, like, strengths and weaknesses, there are ways we can stretch it and be a mana efficient with it where we're not like restricting ourselves because every time you add a color it becomes more complicated in regards to what you want to add and keep and what you can kind of put away in terms of um how to balance your deck so it's effective uh to stop other decks from winning the game um so a, a few things that we we've thought about pretty extensively is that premium sort of, I guess, this is not really a rule, but it's like a rule of thumb for both of me and Bruce when we build decks, is like, we always want, if we can, uh, doesn't happen every every time with every color, but we want instant speed removal because it's premium in terms of responding on the stack, like Bruce has been sort of uh, alluding to this entire time, um, and being proactive as we play. And then yeah. curving, we want mana efficiency, where, like, some of these uh, removal spells are very expensive they a lot of the pre-cons run them they're like they have like three different pip colors and then three colorless mana or something and they do like a few modes but it takes you a lot of mana and resources to be able to actually cast the spell sometimes it's easier to just play something that isn't as restrictive man may, may i just may i just step yeah. in there for a second so yeah. a great example are the charms from both um uh Nuka Penna and from Konzatark Gear Block. So you're getting the Abzan Charm, Saltite Charms, you're getting Riveteer Charm, uh, Broker's Charm. They're, they, they are very alluring cards because of the modality attached to them. And so people, but you're looking to have one of, you need to have three different colors of mana in order to fire this off. And you may find that that, that card sits dead in your hand well beyond the past where it's, point, point where it's useful. Where if you had, had found something that had Perhaps a little less modality, but had an easier mana cost for you to to cast. You might find that you could use it more effectively, and and keep yourself in the game by changing the tempo of the game versus you know holding up the the very optimal card, which would have been maybe the Riveteer's Charm or the whatever. But right. you never got a chance to deploy it. So just something to think about. Like, and these sorts of cards appear frequently in precons. Um, because they do provide modality, and and we like we like choices, but there's a cost that I, to your mana base for these choices that you may find is not acceptable, and really doesn't doesn't allow you to cast the spell very readily. Right. So just to end real quick, uh, we want if anything you can take away tonight beyond just removal and what color might do what. Um, it depends on what kind of deck you're building. Some decks are just stronger in their sense of controlling the table, right? If you're playing blue with a combination of like black or white, 
you have access to a ton of options when it comes to preventing your opponents from playing the game. Um, if you're playing a deck that runs red and green, you'll have to get creative with how you interact with the board beyond just removing the player outright. So in terms of the style, I guess consideration of what each color's strengths and weaknesses are for this sort of topic will help with deck building and just thinking about how you want to interact with the pod you play with at home or with friends at the LGS. Um, Sometimes it's good to take out the, you know, I guess we would deem it a more oppressive cards to have the uh, pre-con player enjoy their time um, at the LGS. So just something to think about as we uh, conclude tonight. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I think that's that's what was well said. Um, Yeah. I think, I think you're going to determine the needs of your deck. Um, based on, you know, you, you, once you know your meta, what sort of decks you're going to require, what do you need to remove frequently? Oh, I know that my friend John plays um, a lot of powerful enchantments. Well, then maybe you make sure that your enchant- your removal suite has uh, more, is a little more skewed towards enchantment removal, uh, so you can take care of those key pieces. Um, you know, your, 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 other, your other friend likes to combo out with creatures and kiki-jiki. Well, maybe you have ways to interact with them um, so that you can not you know stand a better chance of, of winning instead of being beaten so badly so um you know you're gonna know that only by playing the games and trying it out and seeing what's up um and you know and and going into some of the the uh the history of the game and finding different tools because um you know as much as we've had a lot of really great tools get printed for us in the last sort of three years i would say ever since commander legends and the year of commander and 2020 there's been it was 2020 right your commander i think it was it feels like it's so long ago but um there's been a lot of really great tools printed for us uh, but there's also tons more that exists in the history of the game that can give your deck some of that dimension um one of the things that we were starting to see as we as pete and i do this that garbage are great there's you know some of those older cards don't really respect the way the color pie works the same way that um, the new cards do. So maybe you can find something that's kind of interesting to to help your removal um, that sort of twists the rules of what the color pie should be allowed to do. And you can make that, take that to great advantage. So, um, but yeah, lots of great, uh, lots of great thought there for, um, for anyone. If you want to talk more to us about um, about removal, you're always welcome to email the the, the show um, or contact us on Twitter or Instagram. There's lots of uh, I'm always haunting those places. You can check it all out. Uh, you can find all of our decks on Um and you can find our show each and every week on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, LowestCouncil.com, Spotify, and Amazon, or wherever else you get your favorite podcasts. Everybody, um, that's gonna bring it to this end of this week's show. I think, Pete. Um, I yeah, think uh, that, uh, wherever you all play magic keep slinging that cardboard and thanks for tuning in have a great yeah. week thanks so much everybody take care have a good night talk to you soon